You're listening to the Creekside Church Message Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jesse Rosette titled, He Loved Them to the End. For more information, please visit our website at www.creekside.org. Morning, everybody. It is good to be uh, back up here speaking again. I love it when I get the opportunity to come and share on on Sunday. Uh, it's just it's something different. It's fun. So, this is what I want to start with. Uh, I have a question for you. I need a show of hands. How many people have done house sitting before? Yeah, house sitting. Sorry, I don't know if you heard me right. Yeah, house sitting, okay. Uh, uh, how about specifically for like house pets? I know some people nowadays have like plant house sitters. Um, <clears throat> I'm talking specifically about animals. Okay, so hopefully some of you can, can relate to this a little bit. Uh, has this happened to you? Okay, I, I've done my fair share of house sitting and I feel like no matter how well I follow the directions and instructions to the letter, at some point, more often than not, I end up cleaning dog poop from inside the house. <laughs> and so I'm trying to figure out, is this, uh, is this a me problem, or does this, has this happened to anybody else? You know, is this, is, this, uh, is this I'm doing a bad job, or is this like a dog acting up because they're upset that their owner is out of town? I, I don't know. So I'm, I'm trying to, <clears throat> that's what I was trying to gauge, excuse me. Um, so I, I, uh, I remember this time. This was uh, early on in dating uh, Brooke and her family. They had asked me to come by uh, twice a day while they were out of town just to take care of the dogs, let them out, feed them, all of that. And uh, they had four dogs at the time. And so I lived, I lived really close, so it was easy for me to come and do it. Uh, and I wanted to uh, impress her because I thought she was pretty. And I also wanted her parents to like me. So I said yes. Now, I... Uh, I did not grow up with pets, just some context about me. I didn't grow up with pets. My parents told us that they had too many kids for a dog, and that was probably true, but that's not my fault. Uh, it sounds like a them problem. So while I, I love dogs and I love cats and I love pets, I'm not always uh, very patient when it comes to taking care of them because I, I, didn't, I didn't have to learn that part. I just got to go to a friend's house and hang out with the dog and leave. Uh, so Brooke's parents, they had, uh, they had a Sheltie named Wesley. He had, uh, he had anxiety. Uh, we love Wesley. And, uh, and uh, they had two Pomeranians uh, named Oscar and Smidgen. They're the yappiest, high-pitched barking dogs you'll ever meet. And they also had a, uh, a dorky, that's a dachshund Yorkie, uh, named Mozart James. Uh, and he was chill. We didn't have any problems. He, you know, he was... He was great. But they were, they were the sweetest dogs. They really were. Uh, two of them have, have, have passed since. But uh, they're, they're the sweetest dogs. And whenever I would come over, you know, they'd be jumping up and down all over me. Uh, they'd be licking my hands. They'd be breathing in my face. All the fun dog things. But when I would go to take care of them, they would, they would act up. They would give me problems. And so, I mean, it didn't matter how many times I'd gone over and seen them before, I, I'd come over, I'm the only person, so I opened up the door, and they, they're barking. They're just barking their heads off. And it doesn't matter what I do, they bark the entire time. So I'm there for like a half hour, and it's a half hour of them barking at me. And it's, it's driving me nuts. But not only that, so one of the instructions was like, you need to watch them eat their food, because if you don't, one of them is going to go eat everybody's food. So you need to watch them, make sure that they stay in their places, and that they eat their food. But they would refuse to eat. They would hide under the table, and they'd bark at me, and I'd sit there just be like, eat the food, eat the food. And I'd like scoot the food under the table, and they'd run to a different like part of the house. And so, you know, like my 15-minute trip would be like an hour, because I'm trying to watch these animals. And then I'd let them outside, and then they'd come back in, and then they'd poop. <laughs> and so... I think in this, in this 
instance in particular. I think there was twice that I had to clean up dog poop, and there was one time I think one of them threw up. Uh, it was, exactly, so apparently it's a me problem. I don't know what I'm doing wrong, but like I said, I didn't grow up with, with pets. So this goes on for a few days until our family gets back. It's almost exactly the same every day. Unfortunately, uh, it wasn't poop all the time, just a couple of times. Uh, but I didn't say much about it when they, when they got back because, you know, I wanted, to, I wanted them to think that I did a really good job and that I took care of the pets really well. So I didn't really say anything, uh, which led to them asking me to watch the dogs again the next time that they were out of town, <laughs> which I said yes to uh, because... Uh, you know, not because I like it. I said yes because I thought Brooke was really pretty and I wanted to impress her. And, you know, I, I cared a lot about her. And so I said yes. Uh, you know, that worked out for me, though, because, uh, you know, not 25 years, but we did just celebrate four. We just had our anniversary last week, which was cool, too. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, four and 25, bit of a difference. 25 is like a whole adult and a half. We've got, you know, four years, but we're well on our way. <laughs> now, if, listen, if anybody else had asked me uh, to do this. After this experience, if anybody else had asked me to, to watch their pets, I probably would have said no. Um, see, when it, when it comes to, to people, this is where I'm going, when it comes to people, we all have a way that we measure relationships. We all, we all have this kind of internal mechanism. You know, maybe it's, for you, it's like a, it's a level system. Uh, maybe it's a scale or some kind of chart. But most of us have this internal measurement of relationships. And it, may, it might not be a very conscious thing. Some people do it very consciously, and others are not very conscious. But I, most of us do this thing. And for example, if a stranger walks up to you off the street and says, Hey, I, you've got a truck. I need you to help move my mother-in-law across town. You're going to weigh that and go, okay, uh, this job you've asked me to do and our relationship. Like, yeah, it's, it's not evening out. You're a stranger. Why would I do this? It's literally not personal, okay? And then but if, uh, another example, an acquaintance, an acquaintance, somebody that you know at least, an acquaintance comes up to you and says, hey, I need to borrow your car. I wrecked mine. I have some important errands to run. Like, yeah, that's like a, that's like a level four friendship and you're at a two. I'm sorry. You know, you, you wouldn't say that, hopefully, but you'd, you'd either come up with an excuse or you'd just tell them, no, I'm sorry. I, I can't let you borrow my car. But if a close friend comes to you and lets you know that they need help, most of us wouldn't even have to ask what it is before we would agree to help them. And that's an internal understanding of your relationship. That's kind of this, this interesting way that we kind of measure and do things differently. And we're going to talk more about that, more about the relationships in just a bit. But for now, we're going to focus on the Gospel of John and in chapter 13. I want to give you a little bit of context for this. Uh, this is the beginning of the Last Supper and what is known as the, the, the Upper Room Discourse where Jesus goes into this incredible, just like chapters of incredible discussion. And uh, what takes place in this evening is so important that John uh, dedicates almost a quarter of his gospel to it. Okay, so the first 12 chapters, 1 through 12, there's Jesus' birth and then there's, there's his, uh, his ministry. And then it gets to chapter 13, and from 13 to 17, it's just this one evening, this, this conversation that they have. So it's, it's, it's super important. And in this, in the chapters that follow, Jesus is sharing the last things with his disciples before he's arrested and he's taken to the cross. It doesn't get much more serious than that. Just trying to set the scene for you guys. So we, we, know, we know that we are hardly ever able to truly appreciate something until it's gone. So knowing that these are some of Jesus' last words before his death makes them that much more special. This is what he knew was most important to impart to his followers, to his friends, before he left them. 
It's important to know as we read this that even though this is the end, Jesus is not focused on himself. This is, you know, you can kind of filter this through that detail. Jesus is not focused on himself. Jesus never really is. I mean, really, when you, when you look at it, even when he talks about himself, he talks about his father and the mission that he was given. And in these chapters, Jesus is focused on his disciples. They're his main concern. Even with his brutal death only hours away, Jesus put his followers first. This is what he needed to do. This is what they needed from him, even if they didn't realize it. They needed to hear this from him, and they needed to witness it from him. So we're going to read a chunk of, of, of John 13, so bear with me. If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open those up, or use the Bible app, or you just want to follow along on the screen. The scripture will be up there. Uh, this is John chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. And then I want to jump down real quick to verses 34 and 35, which say, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So there's there's so much going on in in these verses. I know it was a lot, but it's important. And so what I want to do is is we're just going to slow down a little bit and hone in on what Jesus is doing and why he's doing it. Because, because listen, if, if we're not careful, this can become one of those Sunday school stories that we kind of skim right over without paying attention to the details, without fully understanding. Because it's like, yeah, I've read this story before. I get it. You know, I'm moving on. Because, I mean, th- this is me. You might relate to this, but I, I feel like I can't be the only one who, who goes through like a Bible reading plan or you're going through a book and you, you go to somewhere, you know, you've been before and you're like, okay, uh, you know, Jesus was walking on the water. All right, and then Peter stepped out of the boat. He also walked on water. Okay, whatever. Uh, and then he began to sink. Pfft, what a loser. And then he calmed the storm. All right, fine, cool. We've, we've, we figured it out. That's done for the day. That's my reading plan. That's not usually how I read the Bible. I want you to understand that, you know, I, 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 I try to pay more attention. But there are days where I kind of just like go through it and be like, all right, cool. I, I read the chapters that I wanted to and I, I'm moving on. 
But then there are days where I, I dive deep and I decide I'm going, I'm going to look at this from a different perspective. I'm going to open myself up to just not having to know everything and ask some questions. And I, I ask the questions. I ponder the meaning of what I just read. And those are the days that the Bible comes to life in a way that it does in other times. And, and the words jump off the page and it just takes my imagination and, and runs with it. And so we, we I come back to it. You know, same chapter. I've read this a hundred times, but I come back to it just with a new mind going, what? Jesus walked on water? That's crazy. How does that work? That doesn't make any sense. Well, well I mean, he, he's God, so I guess he can do what he wants. But, but wait, Peter walked on water too. That guy's not God. How did that work? What does that mean? And he's sinking. Oh my gosh. There's a storm going on at the same time. Do you have any idea how crazy this is? How weird and wild this story is? Why? Why did it happen like this? Why did Jesus, why is this important? Why are these details here? Every detail is important. The words of this book, of the Bible, they're not filler words, okay? You know, there, there's no offhand comment or throwaway lines. It's all important, even uh, the boring parts. I say that because I'm in youth ministry, and I say, read your Bible, and they say, it's boring. I say, no, some of it is, but it's important. It's, it's 2 Timothy uh, 3, 16 and 17, which says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in all righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture is God-breathed. And in that passage that we just read, John 13, Jesus sets this incredible example. Every time that, that I look from a different angle I, or I read another scholar's thoughts on this chapter, it absolutely blows my mind. The details are all cluing us into just how incredible Jesus really is. You have to ask some questions. So as we read through that, these are just some of the ones that came to me. You know, why did he do that? You know, why did he do it that way? What does it mean? I mean, couldn't he have just told them to wash each other's feet? Couldn't he have just said it? Or could he, couldn't he have come up with, you know, a clever parable the way that he's done in the past and just kind of proven his point that way? You know, why, why this way? So this is how I want to look at this today. It's all about love. Everything that we're going to look at, we're going to frame it through the fact that it is about people. It's about the people that Jesus loves, and it's about love, because God is love, and Jesus is God, so Jesus is love, and this love is so important that Jesus knew he had to spend what little remained of his time teaching, repeating, and reinforcing this love. Like I said, there are so many ways that we could look at this and marvel at how amazing Jesus is, but this morning, we're going to hone in on his example of love. And so I, I see three things that I wanted to share with you, three things that Jesus modeled. And the first one is this. Jesus modeled love for the disciples. Love for the disciples. This is love for our brothers and our sisters in Christ. For us today, <clears throat> this is love for our church and all those who are part of the body. We take care of our own, and the way that Jesus modeled this was through washing his disciples' feet. But he didn't leave this application up to their imagination. You know, he didn't, just, uh, he didn't just do it and then get up and hope they figured out what he was trying to say with this. He follows this amazing act of kindness and servitude by commanding them to do the same for each other. Like, this isn't just a one-off cool thing that I did. There's a reason behind this. You are to wash each other's feet. But what an interesting thing to command them to do. What, what an odd request that he, that he kind of makes. 
But hey, we know he was serious. We know all scripture is God-breathed, and this passage has application for us today. And I figured, what better way to, to, to learn to do it than to do it? And so I brought basins for everybody and towels, and we're going to wash feet. So grab the shoe to the person of your left, and let's get to it. Not a lot of people moving, huh? Yeah, <laughs> listen, okay, can you imagine if I was serious, though? <laughs> like, I think you figured out that I wasn't. This is a... But can you imagine if I was serious, all right? Everyone peel off some socks for washing feet. Uh, some of you probably get up, like, oh, yeah, I had an appointment. Like, I got to go, uh, I don't know, clean my fishbowl. Yeah, I mean, it's not something you want to do. I don't, I don't really blame you because, you know, I thought, I'm like, man, wouldn't it be cool if I brought somebody up? I was like, oh, I don't really want to do that either. So, <laughs> but there, there is a reason that this happens. I'm not going to make anybody do that, uh, by the way. I won't stop you either. You know, just make sure it's okay with whoever, <laughs> whoever's feet you're washing. But this would be a little strange, though, right? If, if, I, if, I, was, if I was standing like, well, do you know Jesus said, let's, let's do it. Like, this would be a little bit of a strange, a little bit of an odd request, even with kind of understanding what we're talking about. But that's probably how the disciples felt. Honestly, they, they probably had a kind of an idea that this was a strange thing. It wasn't just a like, oh yeah, cool, this is, this is normal. Uh, they probably would have felt a bit weird about it, but they would have felt that way for even more reasons than, than maybe we do. They would have had these questions, probably wouldn't have said them out loud, but this, again, just, Jesus, you want us to wash each other's feet? I mean, do, do we have to? Like, no offense, Jesus, like, I know, I know you washed my feet, and that's really cool. We appreciate that, but I, I literally, I watched Andrew step in a cow pile on the road earlier today. That guy strictly wears chacos, and I mean, like, it's been in there. And I mean, John finds any puddle in the road and splashes through it, okay? Do you understand what you're asking us to do? It's disgusting. It's gross. But see, but see again, we don't see, we don't view foot washing like they did in Jesus' day because on top of it being, you know, gross, this was, this was actually a regular thing that would happen, foot washing, but this action would be carried out by the lowest servant in that house. This wasn't just a, a cleaning thing. This was a, a servant's job. So Jesus was not just telling them to do a gross thing. He was telling them to lay down their pride lay down the issues, lay down the needing to be better, and to pick up instead a towel. You see, the disciples would not have done this voluntarily. It would be, it, it could be considered, you know, showing weakness. It would not only be smelly and gross, but it may be a little bit embarrassing as well. You know, it wasn't, honestly, it wasn't very long ago that these same men who've been traveling with Jesus for three years were arguing about who would be the most important in the new kingdom. You know, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, you know, walking willingly towards his death, and they want to know who gets the seat of honor. They still didn't understand what Jesus was doing and what Jesus was all about, and that is why he washed their feet. You see, he didn't even announce what he was doing. Like, I'm going to wash feet now. He just, <laughs> he, let, it says, it says he just he got up from the meal. He stopped what he was doing. He got up from the meal, and he took the role of a servant, and he quietly Wash their feet. And, and if Jesus had commanded them to do this without first showing them, I, I believe they probably would have done it. You know, they would have obeyed Jesus, but they would have grumbled and complained and completely missed the point. Jesus knows this. Okay, he's a pretty smart guy. Turns out he's God, and the Father's revealed these things to him. So because Jesus knows this about his disciples, again, just the way that he knows them, since he knows this about his disciples, because he knows they can be a little petty, they can be a little self-seeking, Jesus goes first, and he sets the example. He sets the example. 
How many of you today would be willing to wash your neighbor's feet? It's, it's a good question to ask. Uh, it's, it's honestly one I've been asking myself all week. You know, I, I'm not going to challenge you with something that I haven't first been challenged with. And, you know, when I get up and speak, I mean, when, when we get up and speak, this isn't us saying, uh, like, hey, I figured this out, catch up. It's saying, like, man, this is some tough stuff, but I think we need to talk about it. Holy Spirit's moving, and we need, we need to discuss some things. But we can get so wrapped up in Christian stuff, Christian things that we forget about our brothers and our sisters in Christ. We, we have, we have our, our, our Christian opinions and our Christian music and movies and entertainment. We've got our Christian social media and our favorite uh, Christian influencers, but we forget about our fellow Christians. We, we think we're serving God by doing all these things and being a part of the right clubs and the right groups and the, of the right opinions, but we've missed something important. And we, we have our excuses just like the disciples would have. You know, Jesus, that's what the servants do. That's gross. I'm not interested. You know, I think I'm a little bit better than that. That's somebody else's job. You know, I, I actually don't even work here. I just go here. But, you know, hey, G Jesus, I'll wash your feet. You know, that's, that's cool. You're my master. and I, I want to serve you, Jesus. So I'll wash your feet. And Jesus says, you've missed the point. You've missed the point. The kingdom of God is upside down. If you want to serve me the way that you say that you do, you must wash one another's feet. Because when you serve them, you serve me. I have not called you to your opinion or your preference. I have called you to wash feet. This is the second thing. The second thing that Jesus modeled in this example of his was love for outsiders. Love for those on, on, on the other side of our, uh, you know, relational groups. Uh, this is love for people who don't yet believe or who may never believe what we do. And Jesus, you see, truly loved his disciples and that is why he washed their feet. But we know it wasn't just an act of love. I mean, it was an incredible act of love, but that wasn't all. There's was always these layers and these different things that Jesus is doing. This was also an incredible teaching moment. The example of washing someone's feet goes much further than skin deep. You see, our, in, in this instance, our feet represents the worst parts of us. Okay, our, our, our embarrassment, our secrets, the things that we want to keep hidden, our, our sin, and when we, are, when we wash someone else's feet, when we serve them this way, we're embracing them, despite the mess, despite the stink, despite the filth. In verses 4 and 5, it says that Jesus got up from the meal, right, took off his outer clothing and wrapped the towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. You see, he didn't make a fuss, he didn't shout, oh, it stinks in here. It smells like feet. I guess I'm going to have to clean you up. I guess I'm going to have to fix this problem. He didn't say anything. He stopped in the middle of what he was doing, enjoying dinner, and he grabbed a towel, and he washed their feet. This is an act of humble, loving intimacy. This is relationship with our Savior. This is true servanthood. You know, that's why it was such a big deal when, when Peter tried to stop Jesus. Unless he let Jesus wash his feet, he had no part with him. Peter had to be vulnerable with Jesus and truly let his Savior wash him clean. See, the, the act of washing one another's feet is an act of humble, loving kindness, acceptance, and, and restoration. When we take care of each other in that way that Jesus modeled, something awesome happens. 
Something incredible happens when, when we take this example, this, this idea of loving each other seriously, something incredible happens. Not only is it a powerful act of servanthood, but others, outsiders, uh, unbelievers, they, they see it and they will know who we belong to. You know, when I say outsiders, it's not outsiders. It's just like the people who aren't, they don't understand what, what we do yet. You know, we just know the truth and we want them to know the truth. Jesus said in verses 34 and 35, he said, a new command I give you, Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now listen, if we all went downtown right now and we told people, hey, you should come to our church, we wash each other's feet. People probably wouldn't come and I wouldn't blame them. That is so weird without context and even in context it feels weird, okay? (laughs) People might not come. That's all right. But when the church is loving the way that we are meant to, people will take notice. Because listen, people notice when the church isn't loving the way that they're supposed to. They don't have to be a part of church to know that there is, they know enough about Jesus. Jesus is, not, is, is important enough and big enough in our society that people know what people who follow Jesus should look like. At least they've got a good idea. And people will notice when we do love each other the way that we're supposed to love each other. See, the love of Jesus is not meant to stay in a building, all right? It's meant to go out to the streets. The love that we have and share with each other is, is, is also meant to shine so that others see it and glorify God. But so often we get that wrong. We get it backwards. So often we think we have this Christianity thing worked out and we forget to love the way that Jesus commanded us to. The, the love that we have for each other while being so important, is not reserved solely for other believers. We're meant to love a broken and a hurting world who needs love. I, I wanted to share this with you. Uh, Andy Stanley is one of, my, uh, one of the pastors that I, that I look up to, and he's got amazing books. And I've, I've learned a lot from him. And in, in reading one of his books, it's called Deep and Wide. There's this story uh, that, that stuck with me since and just kind of sits as an example of the way that I want to, to love and to, be, uh, to, to represent Christ. And so in this story, he talks about a time when he was on staff at his dad's church when he was a bit younger. And he says that uh, at, at some point, somehow, their church got on the radar and on the bad side of the local LGBTQ community. And so the organizer of the Pride Day Parade uh, changed the, the, the day to be on Sunday and they changed the route so that they would be passing by Andy's church, this parade, as the church was getting out of service. And the church, they got wind of it. They, they found out this was going to happen and they were like, oh no, we can't have this. And so they, they rushed through service, tried to get done early, and then they kind of just ushered everybody out the back door. Uh, to try to just try to kind of avoid this thing. Andy says that what they ended up doing was uh, lining the streets just in time for the parade to go by, so that didn't work. But as this parade goes by, and as Andy's standing outside, and he, he watches and he notes what was happening at the church across the street from them. And this is what he says, quote, St. Mark United Methodist Church had their members standing along the street handing out water. Others held up posters that read, everybody welcomed, come worship with us, God is love. The contrast could not have been more pronounced, end quote. See, if our goal really is to reach out to the lost and the broken in love and to bring them and to restore them and to show them the love of Jesus, which of those churches do you think they're more willing to step foot in? 
I'm not saying you have to support something that you don't agree with. I just want to challenge you on the way that you show your love for Jesus and love for others. I'm asking you to love and to love deeply, whatever that means. And this takes vulnerability with each other to, to, to openly share and love each other so others can see it. And it also takes humility to those outside of our community, outside of our circles. Because how is anyone ever going to be welcomed into the church if we only have our arms opened to each other and closed and crossed to newcomers? Is the love that we have for Jesus actually real if we don't love others inside or outside the church? The third thing that Jesus modeled was love for enemies, which is everybody's favorite topic. <laughs> See, later in the same chapter, uh, in John 13, Jesus is talking about uh, the one who is going to betray him. I believe in this chapter, he, he brings it up three times. You know, one of you will betray me. One of you will betray me. And none of, the other, uh, none of the other disciples can figure out what he means or who he could possibly be talking about. In fact, they go to him and they're like, Lord, do you mean me? Am I going to? You know, they, they can't seem to figure out what this is. And so uh, Peter nudges John. Apparently there was Peter, John, and then Jesus and, and Judas. And so Peter nudges John and he says, hey, ask him who he's talking about. We can't figure this. Ask him who he's talking about. And so John leans over to Jesus and he asks him, Lord, who is it? Lord, who is it? And in verse 26, it says, Jesus answered, it is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And now, th this is so important. Like I said, it's, it's these details. It's, you know, it's asking why and, and, and just diving in. Jesus knows full well who is going to betray him. He's known all along but it never changed the way that he treated, taught, or invested in Judas. In fact, Jesus does a few things for Judas in this chapter that absolutely blow my mind. He, first of all, when all this is going on, he's talking about love, and he's talking about loving them, and when he goes to wash their feet, Judas was there. He washed Judas's feet, too along with all the other disciples. He made no distinction between them. Up to this point, he hasn't told any of them. Up until he tells John, he hasn't told any of them that he knows it's Judas. And none of them realize that it could have even been Judas. And I don't think this is due to, uh, I don't I think this is due to the disciples being unobservant or ignorant. Judas may have just been really good at keeping his recent motives very quiet. And since Jesus never treated him any differently, they would have no reason to suspect him or to treat him differently either. And, and listen, this wasn't Jesus, you know, when, when he washed his feet, this wasn't Jesus going like, yeah, I'm better than you. Look at this. You're going to betray me and I'm washing your feet. Jesus doesn't do things out of spite, okay? It wasn't Jesus trying to one-up him. The fact is, Jesus loves Judas, Jesus loves Judas. Jesus served Judas, his soon-to-be betrayer, and loved him all the same. As well as serving him, he also did this. Judas was sat at the place of honor at the table, which was to the one who sat at the head. It was, at, it was to the left. He sat to the, to, to the left at the place of honor. This would be reserved for a special guest. And you know, the, the text doesn't tell us if, you know, if, if Jesus sat him there or if he just got there first and sat down. It doesn't say, but either way, he was, he was left to sit there at the place that was known to be the seat of honor at the table. And, and lastly, when, when John asked Jesus, 
who the betrayer was, Jesus identified him by dipping bread and then handing it to Judas. And I mean, this seems odd. I mean, again, more questions. Uh, Jesus could have just pointed. He could have, you know, like, just like, it's right there. Or he could have, you know, he could have, he would have just said, oh, it's Judas, it's right here. Yeah, he's, he's our betrayer. But he doesn't. He, he does this weird bread thing. <laughs> and in, in doing some research, like, I was just curious. I'm like, this has to be significant. These details, they're all so important. This has to be significant. And so in doing some research, this was actually part, uh, this ought to be part of an old tradition. When, uh, so when the bread was, was dipped, the person who dipped the bread was then to give it to somebody as a sign of, of family. Saying, you know, you are a part of this family. You are part of my family. I, I, I welcome you in. And you know where you stand. This was another way that Jesus went out of his way to love and honor Judas, the one who would betray him. And unfortunately, Judas, you know, he accepted the bread, which only makes the following betrayal that much more painful. But it doesn't change what Jesus did. See, Jesus really is God, and God really is love. It's love above all other things. I want to welcome the, the worship team to come back up. It's love above all other things. And I know, I know most of us don't have enemies like people would have in Jesus' day, but we all have people that we don't get along with. We all have people that we don't get along with. You, you probably have people that you dislike, that you have a hard time just being in the same room with, but I know, I don't want to discount this, I know that there are also those of you who've been hurt badly by people. And those people have become enemies, at least in your mind. Now, now with those people in mind, okay, you, you probably maybe got a person or two that you can think of. With those people in mind, how do you treat them? How do you respond to them? You know, for, you run into them at the grocery store, or, or you both got invited to and showed up to an event, or maybe you go to church with this person. How is it that you treat them? Do you, do you call them out? How dare you? You've wronged me. I'm angry. I'm hurt. How could you do this to me? You know, most of us aren't bold enough for that. I've seen a few people do it, and it's not fun to be around. So what, what is it that you do? Do you avoid them? Do you ignore them? Do you, do you just give them the cold shoulder, pretend they don't exist? Or are, are you petty? Are you passive-aggressive? Do, do you hold a grudge? We, we know that Jesus wants us to love our enemies. On top of him explicitly saying it, love your enemies, turn the other cheek, go the extra mile. On top of saying it, we have this example of Jesus washing his own betrayer's feet. But so many of us have settled for just never talking to them again or simply coexisting with them. And this is not love. This is not the love that God, Jesus has called us to. Jesus knew who would be the cause of his death. I'm going to keep saying it because it's so crazy. Jesus knew who would be the cause of his death, and he went above and beyond to make sure that Judas knew that Jesus loved him. Now, I, I don't want to leave you by simply saying, Jesus did it, so do it. You know, I've been talking about asking questions. Questions are good. I mean, wouldn't it be great if we could just read it and, and, and just be satisfied? I'm like, all right, cool. The Bible says that I'm going to do it. I know that's, it's, it's good to ask questions, though. It's good to understand. And so I want to leave you hopefully understanding a little better as to why Jesus did what he did and why this is so important. See, this act of washing his disciples' feet was Jesus foreshadowing what he would do on the cross. 
washing away the filth with water was followed by the washing away of sin in Jesus' blood. And we know that God did not send his only son for the few. He did not send his only son for those that he knew would accept it. No, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Listen, church, we do the world a disservice when we are selective about who we love, when we pick and choose who we believe deserves it. Because we can't do that. That's not what Jesus did with us. We don't know if someone will be like Judas. We don't know what they're going to choose in the end. And we play God when we try to choose for him. Our job in all of this is to obey the new command that Jesus gave. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. But Jesus, I don't like them. He's like, I like you. <laughs> Jesus, I don't love them. I love you. Jesus, I don't want to forgive them. I forgave you. And as I have done for you, you are to do for them. And when you do it for them, you do it for me. Jesus loved his disciples to the end. I love that. That's in that first verse. Having loved his disciples that were in the world, he loved them to the end. We can't complain about kneeling down to wash feet when our great example and our master laid down his life for us. Jesus said that no one is greater than their master, which means if you are a follower of Jesus, you cannot consider yourself above washing people's feet. You cannot consider yourself above forgiveness or above giving love when they don't deserve it. It's not up to you. It's already been decided. You don't have to figure out who it is because Jesus has said it's everyone. You see, serving others in the kingdom of God is a badge of honor. Everything that Jesus did was to serve and to love people. And we have to love even when it's gross, even when we don't want to do it, even when it's someone that has wronged us. Because Jesus loves us. Jesus loves us. Jesus has washed us, and we are to do the same. And by this, everyone will know that we are his disciples if we have love for one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we give you this time, and we ask you, We ask you, Lord, to forgive us when we have said no. When we have been the ones to choose for you. Lord, I pray that you would come in and you would change that. You would change our no to yes. Lord, no, I don't want to. Like, yes, yes, you do, because I did. Lord, I don't want to forgive. Yes, because I, because Jesus forgave me, I can forgive you. Yes, Lord, because you loved me, I can love them. Yes, Lord, because you gave, I can give. Lord, would you give us the, uh, the willpower? Lord, help us be our strength in these situations when it's so hard and we don't want to. We just want to do what's comfortable. But you did not do what was comfortable. You came down from heaven to serve and to love and to die. 
And Jesus, we recognize that. We recognize what you did for us. And so help us to, to willingly accept and love others. We love you, Jesus, so much. You're so amazing, Father. And in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.